This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And today we're going to be talking about something that every person deals with. Doesn't matter if you're an extrovert, an introvert, um, whatever you are on all of those Myers-Briggs, you know, multitude of, of personality tests, all those various things. And that's that little thing called your comfort zone. So please join me today in welcoming an expert in this field, Dr. Andy Malinsky. Welcome, Andy. Thanks for having me on. You know, this really is going to be so interesting. And, and as I said, it applies to everyone. Um, but before we jump in, let me uh, tell people just a little bit about you. So Andy Malinsky as a professor is a professor at Brandeis University's International Business School with a joint appointment in the Department of Psychology. Andy received his PhD in organizational behavior and an MA in psychology from Harvard University. He also holds a master's degree in international affairs from Columbia University and a BA in international affairs from Brown University. Andy's work helps people develop the insights and courage necessary to act outside their personal and cultural comfort zones when doing important but challenging tasks in work and life. His research and writing has been featured in Harvard Business Review, Inc. Magazine, Psychology Today, The Financial Times, The New York Times, The Wall Street Journal, The Boston Globe, NPR, and Voice of America. Andy was awarded as a top voice of LinkedIn for his work in education. His first book, Global Dexterity, received the Axiom Award, the silver medal, for best business book in international business and globalization, and has been used widely in organizations around the world, including Boeing, AIG, the U.S. Air Force Academy, the Clinton Foundation, among others. His new book, Reach was recently published in January of 2017. He teaches, consults, and lectures widely to universities and corporate audiences. And we are so thrilled to have Andy with us today. So again, Andy, welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to uh, join you today. Yeah, and I have to admit, I read through your bio and I'm like, oh, wow, we've got a really smart guy on the program today. <laughs> and you, but, but I say that, of course, in seriousness also to show our listeners that this is something that you have really studied. Um, you know, it's not one of those, shall we say, kumbaya. Uh, books and, and, you know, and, and again, you know, I, I say that kind of laughingly, but a lot of times people look at things like, you know, uh, you know, the, the mental things that we deal with in, in doing business as being the fluff, the extra, you know, the, oh, whatever. And in truth, they're the most important parts of doing business. You know, you can have a fabulous website, great marketing materials, great products and services. But if you don't have it all going on mentally, then there's where the problems come in. So, you know, I love that you have studied this so extensively. Yeah, so it's it um it is I think you you hit the nail on the head. It's uh it's a it's a topic that um 
if you Google it on Google Images, you'll find thousands of images of, you know, people jumping out of planes saying, you know, got to stretch outside your comfort zone. Life only begins on the edge of your comfort zone and so on and so forth. And, you know, there is some truth to these memes and these Internet um, images and so on. But but I wanted to try to really uh, understand it at a bit of a at a bit of a deeper level. And right. so that that's that's why I wrote the book. And I also do consulting and training and so mm-hmm. on. So my first question really is, why do we have to leave our comfort zone? What if we're happy there? I mean, you know, and, and you're right. We see all of these things on Facebook. You know, the, the magic happens outside your comfort zone. And in order to achieve more, you have to get out of your comfort zone. And, you know, all these inspirational hoo-ha. What if you really are happy being in your comfort zone? Then you should stay there. <laughs> I, I uh, you know, I, I, I actually wrote a Harvard Business Review article last year about this exact topic, you know, when you should stay inside your comfort zone. Because I, I definitely don't want people to think as we're talking today, like, oh, my gosh, I have to step outside my comfort zone in every situation. You know, um, I'm not stretching myself. I, I think the reality is, is that you want to pick your spots. Right. Um, you know. The thing is, though, is that um, at various sort of touch points and transition points in our lives and our careers, whether it's, you know, moving from college, uh, I'm sorry, from high school to college or moving from college to your first job or becoming a manager for the first time or starting your own business or becoming a leader, whatever it is, you know, in the personal in your personal realm, you know, getting married, having kids, whatever. There are these key transition points and to grow and develop and achieve success, personal, professional success at any one of these key touch points, you're going to have to step outside your comfort right. zone. We all know it. So, mm-hmm. so, so there is some real um, truth to it, but, but it doesn't mean you have to step outside your comfort zone. Every situation you encounter, you'll, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll burn out. You'll go crazy unless mm-hmm. you're an adrenaline junkie. Right. You know, and, and like I said, you know, all the memes, all of those various things on Facebook, it does make you think, well, I have to be doing this every single day. You know, and, and for many people, they give the impression that, well, in order to be fulfilled in your career, you have to be an entrepreneur. You have to be a small business owner. You might think that is the most absolute, most horrible thing in the world, and it really has nothing to do with your comfort zone. It just has, you just don't want to do it. But we're kind of guilted sometimes into it. Um, you know, and, and, and for the, the employees, you know, the people that are in corporate America, that's great. But obviously there are challenges there too. And, and uh, one of the things that I loved about your book, and I want to give the, the full title of it, it's Reach, a new strategy to help you step outside your comfort zone, rise to the challenge, build confidence. So, you know, as, as I was saying, you know, in, in corporate America, we have comfort zones that we, we have to, to get out of also. And what I really love about your book is that you give lots of great examples. And I was reading it and like everyone, I went, Ooh, that happened to me. Oh, that, Oh, wow. And, and it really was something where I think so many of us can truly relate to it, whether it was a little uncomfortable and we, and we got through it or we went to the total avoidance and, Oh my gosh, we're just never going to do that type of, of thing. So again, you know, it, it's, as I said it when in the introduction, this is something that happens to everyone. One of the things that you have um, uncovered in your research is that there are psychological barriers. And again, as I was reading these, that was where I was thinking, wow, every one of these 
I can relate to. And, and again, there are, are degrees to it. So talk to us about these five core psychological barriers, and then we'll kind of expand the conversation from there. Sure. Yeah. And, and maybe I'll just say, say one, one moment, just speak for a moment about the, a bit about the research for the book. So, so, so to try to understand the challenges of stepping outside your comfort zone, I did a lot of research. So mm-hmm. I spoke with managers. I spoke with entrepreneurs, executives, but I even expanded it to doctors and mm-hmm. police officers, therapists, actors, students, priests, right. rabbi, all, all sorts of people. So, mm-hmm. so, so the reason that I wanted to mention that is because when I, when I'll mention that the, the challenge of stepping outside your comfort zone, sort of the pain points. Mm-hmm. But I want to just want to mention that these are things that 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 we found across all sorts of circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing I'll mention is that we we looked at lots of different kinds of situations, mm-hmm. whether it was public speaking or 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 making small talk with someone you don't know, or mm-hmm. or pitching and promoting yourself at an interview or speaking up at a meeting, whatever it might be. So the the five challenges. Um, the 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 first one uh, that we found was authenticity. Okay. This is the idea that 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 remember you're stepping outside your comfort zone. The idea mm-hmm. that this this just doesn't feel like me, right? Mm-hmm. This you know you're you're I don't know. I'll, I'll make up an example. You're a you know this is actually an example that 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 I found in my research. Mm-hmm. You're a young entrepreneur, um, and, and you've got a great idea for a business, and you realize that in order to kind of pursue that idea, you're going to have to pitch your idea in front of some some venture capitalists, some okay. some investors, mm-hmm. and you're young, and you 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 put on a suit. Uh, for the occasion, you know, you never wear a suit. You mm-hmm. you have to realize you have to put on your grown up professional voice, <laughs> right? And it just doesn't feel right to you, and you feel completely inauthentic mm-hmm. stepping outside your comfort zone. So that's that isolating that there. That's one of the challenges, which is which is that it might not feel authentic, mm-hmm. which which can make you anxious, and th- right. that that be- that becomes a burden. Mm-hmm. Um, another one is likability. The worry that that when stepping outside your comfort zone and doing th- this thing, whatever it is, that's sort of outside your norm, outside your routine, people won't like this version of you. Mm-hmm. That's your fear. So, for example, if you're more, I don't know, more. Let's say, let's say it's it's outside your comfort zone to stand up for yourself and be assertive. Okay. But you're afraid that if you do that. You know, people tend to see you as more of a timid person, someone who doesn't speak their mind. And all of a sudden, if you start doing that, what if they hate this version of you? Mm-hmm. Right. That's the fear. That's the psychological fear. So so I call that likability. Mm-hmm. A, a third concern that people often have is competence. I'm going to be bad at this. In mm-hmm. fact, not only am I going to feel that I'm bad at this inside, but people are going to see me as bad at this. So there's a public and a private side to it. And so, so I mean, there, there are a couple other challenges, but even if you stop right there, authenticity, mm-hmm. likability, competence, that's kind of like a vicious cocktail, right? right. <laughs> like, And, and you can have all three at the same time, which makes it even worse. Absolutely. We often hear about the imposter syndrome, for mm-hmm. instance. People might have heard of that. Like, you know, I feel like such a wannabe. That's like a that's a combination of all of these, you mm-hmm. know, that, that I just don't feel like myself. I'm worrying people won't like this version of myself and I'm going to be bad at this. I'm going to be found out to be a poser. Mm-hmm. So so there are a couple other quick ones I'll mention. A, a fourth is resentment. Mm-hmm. The idea that 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 deep down you resent the fact you have to do this in the first place. Mm-hmm. So, for example, let's say you're. Let's say you're kind of shy or you're introverted. Mm-hmm. You just don't like making chit chat and small talk. It's right. very uncomfortable for you, mm-hmm. especially with a boss, let's mm-hmm. say. And so, but, but you know, it, and you're really good at your job. 
but you notice that the people in your company who seem to get those best, very best opportunities, those are the ones who can make chit chat with mm-hmm. the boss about last night's football game, right. let's say. And you're so frustrated that you're, you, by the way, are a better worker than those guys, but you are not getting the opportunities because you can't make small talk or it's outside your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Yes, maybe you could step outside your comfort zone, but you feel resentful that you have to. Mm-hmm. Right? You don't want to so play that- the game. Well, you know you need to play the game, mm-hmm. and you know that that would be outside your comfort zone, but you feel resentful that you have to. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a psych, we're talking, remember, these are, these are psychological reactions mm-hmm. to the idea of having to step outside your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And then the last one's morality. So you've got authenticity, likability, competence, resentment. The last one's morality. Mm-hmm. I feel, if you're, this is, this might be you talking, I feel that this is actually wrong, what mm-hmm. I'm doing. Like, in fact, I opened my book, Reach, uh, with a story of a young woman who started a company, and, and very soon after, she realized she had to fire her best friend. Mm-hmm. She felt deep down that was wrong. Right. By the way, she ended up doing it, mm-hmm. but but she, but that that's a burden she carried with her. And so, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, Deb, one of these burdens can make it challenging to step outside your comfort zone, might push you to avoid, in fact, mm-hmm. but but more than one. You know, that that then makes it really tough. Right. You know, and as I said, I think every single one of us has felt these, you know, to to some degree, you know, and and clearly your personality does tie into this. Um, You know, I've I've spoken with experts and interviewed them about an introvert, an extrovert type of personalities, things like that. But, you know, you can be the most extroverted person in the world and still go through these things. Um, You know, there are times, you know, for example, where... I will think, oh my gosh, somebody is, you know, I, for example, I, I was giving a presentation on LinkedIn one time. You know, it was, it was a group that had hired me to come do this. I know LinkedIn, you know, pretty well. You know, we, we toss the word expert around far too much. So I'm, I'm not going to say that I'm an expert in it, but I know, you know, I know it very well, but I started to get heckled and which was very strange because this guy paid to, to come to this presentation. And so he heckled me and I mean, every single one of those um, uh, barriers just popped up right there. You know, I was uncomfortable. I was, you know, thinking, oh, my gosh, this guy doesn't like me. I'm not smart enough to be here because it was a group of out-of-work engineers. And, you know, and, and I kind of joked at the start that, you know, you, you are extremely well-educated. And that is a little intimidating. And so when I was speaking to all these engineers, it was like, oh, my gosh, they're, they're really going to think that I'm stupid. And, you know, and, and I shouldn't be here. And it was very difficult. I mean, I, it, it, I'm sure that there was a little bit of deer in headlights. And then I did what you recommend in, in later on in your book is there are behaviors that we can do to get back to, I hate to say get back in control, but kind of change that situation. Um, you know, and, and that's a big part of your book is talking about how you know, what we can do when these things happen. So, you know, and, and, you know, one of the biggest things is, you know, we, we're just not going to put ourselves there. We're going to avoid it. So how do we deal with that avoid the situation type of thing? In other words, how do we, how do we avoid avoidance? Right. How do we avoid being avoiding? <laughs> yeah. There's got to be a meme well, in there somewhere it, too. <laughs> it's hard though. If you think about it, um, I'll, I'll, I'll give you what, what I found. And, and it was actually really inspiring what I found. And, and I think it's what's inspiring about it, too, is that it's something that everyone listening here can put into action, mm-hmm. like immediately. But right. but um, but but 
One quick thing on avoidance is that, you know, it's very alluring to avoid. It's, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's very tempting, right? Because when you avoid something, you get temporary relief, right? right? And You're like, that's oh my a- gosh, I don't have to go to that exactly. awful networking event. Exactly. And so that, that's very, that's very appealing. But the, the, the problem, of course, is that, you know, if you avoid that awful, scary networking event, the, the next one that comes around is n- not going to feel any less awful or less right. scary, right? In fact, probably more so. Mm-hmm. And if you do believe that going to networking events deep down, like in other words, in a little thought exercise I often do with people I work with is if you could imagine, you had a magic eraser mm-hmm. and you could imagine erasing the anxiety and the worry mm-hmm. about a particular situation, mm-hmm. Would that be something you'd like to do and that you think would help your career? And if the answer, by the way, is no, then then forget it. Who mm-hmm. care? Who that that's back to your original question. Do we have to always step outside our comfort zone? No, if it's not so useful and we don't mm-hmm. care about it. But if the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Whoa. OK, so avoiding is really getting me into a spiral here. Mm-hmm. I'm avoiding getting temporary relief, but making it harder the next time around. And if that perpetuates it's just going to get harder and harder. Mm-hmm. So you need right. to break, you need to break the cycle. Well, and of course the hard part is we often don't even realize that we're doing that behavior. So, you know, networking again, let's, let's use that as an example because networking isn't for everyone, you know, and, and so you just start, you know, maybe you don't join groups where they're going to have networking or you don't open those emails where they're talking about, you know, oh, I'm busy. I'm not going to read that email. You know, all these, you start eliminating even seeing those opportunities. And so then you're not having to avoid it because you just don't see it. Um, you know, it's, and you know, it's, it's kind of a, a vicious circle. And you've got several examples in the book of how it is kind of this, this circle of, you know, we, we get into the habit of thinking, oh, I don't need to go there. Or we find all sorts of excuses not to go there. Well, you know, it's too far to drive. I don't have the money. I've got client work I need to do. One of my favorites that I use on occasion is, well, I have to nap. Um, you know, but, That's a good one. <laughs> you know, I, 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 you know and, and so clearly what we do is we find excuses that really are pretty flimsy sometimes to avoid what it is that we don't want to do. And these things happen at home, too. You know, we we avoid talking about, say, financial problems or uh, disciplining the children, you know, all these various things. So we figure out ways to just never put ourselves in that situation. Yes, I agree with that. And so 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 when you when you um, when you realize and make make some form of a commitment to actually um Approaching instead of avoiding, mm-hmm. um, y- there are some things you can do, and there's some things that that can actually be successful. Right. So, so. let's talk about some of those because you know I think to anyhow as uh, anecdotally for you know me, my friends, the people I know, it seems to me like in in many cases, kind of this avoidance thing is the biggest. You know they they don't like public speaking, so they're never going to go to networking. They um, you know whatever it is. Avoidance to me seems like it might be one of the the bigger tactics that we use. I was going to say problems, and it's not a problem. Um, it's it's a tactic. So how you know what are things that we can do to avoid avoiding? <laughs> yes. So 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 um so what I found is there were three okay. um three three 
tools, uh, strategies that that people use to sort of successfully to to avoid avoidance and step outside their comfort zone. So the first mm-hmm. one, the f- and we can go through them. The first one mm-hmm. is called conviction. I call okay. it conviction. Mm-hmm. And conviction is basically discovering your why, okay. your your deep sense of purpose mm-hmm. um, for why why this matters to you. Mm-hmm. And and it and it's not something that you're going to just snap your fingers and say, oh, yeah, that's why. Mm-hmm. I mean, it actually takes a bit of reflection. Mm-hmm. You know, m- maybe it's it's you just feel um, after reflecting on it that that this is this is what you need to do um, uh, to make your you, yourself you feel good about yourself or mm-hmm. to enable you to help others. Or maybe this is your calling or maybe it's the necessary thing for you to do. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you've always wanted to um, you've always had a dream to build your own business. And you know what? If this is what it takes to do it. I'm going to do this mm-hmm. or or maybe you want to be a role model to your kids and, and you, you you are often coaxing your kids to step outside their comfort zone because you believe in parenting. That's a bit of, that that's kind of important. And mm-hmm. so then you look at yourself in the mirror and you're not doing that yourself. And and, and that becomes a source of conviction. The point is, is that what conviction is not going to erase your discomfort. It won't mm-hmm. eliminate it. But it, what it will do is it will give you that drive and motivation, that wind at your back, right. you know, that that sense of sense of purpose mm-hmm. to 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 nudge you to take action um, d- despite the discomfort. Mm-hmm. That's why conviction is powerful. So that's the first tool. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it is true when we kind of find that outer source, you know, whatever it is, you know, the example, one of the examples you use in the book is someone that um, is is a volunteer and she needs to do fundraising and she absolutely hates that part. You know, she hates asking for money, you know, all these various things. But then knowing the good that that money will do that's that's her conviction and sometimes it's it's an external thing like that sometimes as you mentioned it is that internal you know i need to be the good example for my kids or you know all these various things so we have to find those and and figure out you know really why are we doing it and and then it comes back to you if you can't find a good enough why then really it's okay to not do it Exactly. So, and and it's it's it. You have it within you, um, mm-hmm. mo- most likely. So, so it's is that's that's a that's that's something you can kind of dig deep and find pretty relatively quickly. I think mm-hmm. so. Right. So, 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 so that's that's the first one. Um, mm-hmm. the second tool I found was what I call customization. And this is my um, favorite. I loved reading this part in the book because th- to me, this is what seems to to be especially for me. The, the best way to deal with a lot of these things is to, you know, to, to customize it. So tell us more about that. Yeah, it's it's great that you say that because it's my favorite part, too. <laughs> uh, it's it was actually really one of the most surprising and exciting things that I found because I talk with all these people from all these different professions and mm-hmm. backgrounds, as, as I mentioned before, and I kept hearing it. Mm-hmm time and time again. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is what people are doing. And what customization is, is it's basically putting your own little spin or your tweak uh, mm-hmm. on a, on the situation that's hard for you, right. making it your own, personalizing. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like, 
an analogy I like to use is like um, is like a tailor. So mm-hmm. you buy you buy a, you buy a piece of clothing and it doesn't fit you perfectly off the rack. But mm-hmm. you know what? That's OK, because because you can bring it to a tailor and have it have it tweaked or maybe you do it yourself mm-hmm. customized so that it fits you just right mm-hmm. just just for you and so there are a, a variety of ways people did this and do this with situations so for example um people um use body language mm-hmm. uh they can sort of uh craft the way that they use their body language to 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 sort of get up the courage or even to script out how they're going to do something mm-hmm. it might be their actual language maybe there's certain words or phrases that work for you Mm-hmm. That are really kind of key phrases that just make you feel a little bit more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's the context. Maybe, maybe um, if you're afraid of public speaking, it's important for you to go a little bit early. That's mm-hmm. actually playing with timing too. Right. Meet a few people. Mm-hmm. Get comfortable with the surroundings. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a prop. Like a like an actor is a prop on stage. Like for the longest time, I used to wear uh, a special ring every mm-hmm. time I, I spoke, and that mm-hmm. ring was was very meaningful to me mm-hmm. for. You know, we could talk about why, but but that was that was very meaningful mm-hmm. to me. And other people wear a power suit or maybe a locket with a with um with with a a picture of someone that that's important to them. Mm-hmm. Um, may, maybe as I said before, timing. May, maybe maybe you're uncomfortable. We talked about networking before, big, loud, noisy, scary networking events. But you know what? If you go at the beginning of the event, it's going to be less big. It's going to be less loud. It's going to be less scary, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, you can there, – there are a lot of um, – Or there's there people that go late. I like those. You know, they show right. up. You know, so they don't have to network with anybody. That that might be more avoidance. That's a little too avoidance, yep. <laughs> but the point is is that there's no one-size-fits-all mm-hmm. version. Right. And, and, and once you realize that and start to realize that you have power uh, over something that felt kind of powerless a little bit mm-hmm. it, it's pretty inspiring I'll, t- I'll tell you one quick story of someone um here's a here's a very concrete example um i got an email uh from someone who read the book um and she said that she was very uncomfortable uh at um social get-togethers like mm-hmm. parties um and and she would always sit in the corner and kind of not talk to anyone and she but she didn't want it to be like that mm-hmm. um she she read the book and she saw this section on customization and she had this epiphany. She, she, it turns out she loved, uh, and loves f- photography. Hmm. And she had this idea that, that w- w- what if I brought a selfie stick to parties ah. as a prop? Mm-hmm. And so she'd bring the selfie stick and people would often say, you know, what's that? Cause a lot of people have heard of a selfie stick. Mm-hmm. Fewer, fewer people kind of know how to use them. Right, right. You know what I mean? So especially the older demographics. <laughs> Yeah, I would say that that that's 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 right. Um, so so she brought the selfie stick. Uh, she 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 would she would bring it out. People would say, "Oh, what's that?" And she'd say, "Oh, it's a selfie stick." And they'd say, "Oh, that's a selfie stick. How does that work?" And she'd say, "Oh, let me see your cell phone," mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. And so you can see already, um, you can get a glimpse into how her experience at this party already changed, right? Mm-hmm. She's having this conversation. Maybe she exchanges emails, you know, to send a picture and so on. And so that was a, I thought that was just such a great example of, um, of using a prop to sort of nudge her outside her comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and 
people do have all sorts of, of props. Uh, many times we call them our good luck charms, you know, things like that. Um, I have a, a very dear friend who needed to speak publicly. She was giving a scholarship in, in honor of her son. And public speaking is definitely not her thing, you know, and, and, and it was very emotional, you know, because this was a scholarship in, in memory of her son. And so she made a brooch out of several things from people who had passed away. So I believe, you know, the part of it had um, some lace from one of her mother's dresses, you know, various other things. And, and so they were with her as she was speaking. Nobody else knew, you know, except that it was this very pretty piece. And, you know, and, and it, it really did kind of buoy her confidence a bit. And it's, you know, people who, even people who are very good at public speaking, a lot of times, They'll have, you know, that, that the first quarter, you know, that they got from somewhere in, in a pocket or, you know, all these various little things that we don't even really think about as being, you know, their, our, our, you know, good luck charm, our boost, our security blanket, you know, whatever it is. But we have those little things with us. And, and, you know, maybe it's that you're going into a very difficult meeting and you've got a pen that was given to you by, you know, a boss who you really liked or something like that. We, we kind of latch onto those props. But then I also like the ones that you talk about, like you said, you know, the selfie stick where it, it gives you a way to interact with people in a way that makes you more comfortable. You know, one example, I have a friend who's a magician. You know, so one of the first things he does is, is a, a little trick in a lot of cases um, to, to get some, you know, to, to kind of break that ice. Uh, those are great examples. I love that example, the brooch. It's, it's like, you know, if you reflect on it, anyone listening, you probably either have done this or could pretty easily figure out a way that you can do it, whether it's through, it doesn't have to be a prop. It could be mm-hmm. one of these other things. It could be the timing. It could right. be certain, certain words that you like, like, mm-hmm. certain, like a, maybe you like to script out the first word, first sentence or two of mm-hmm. whatever it might be, or, or maybe it's that, that little, um, that little joke at the beginning of your speech, or maybe it's not a joke. Maybe you mm-hmm. don't like jokes. Maybe it's a, or maybe you don't feel comfortable telling jokes. Maybe that's mm-hmm. not you. Maybe it, maybe it's, maybe it's that it's really important to thank everyone for right. being, for coming mm-hmm. and that, and that that makes you immediately feel yourself, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is, d- find your way. Mm-hmm. And, and that makes it easier to step outside your comfort zone. Right. I love the body language one too. Um, I was at a networking thing one time and, and, um, it was a, it was more of kind of a mastermind group and, and we each during the, the course of the year gave up and gave pre- or got up and gave presentations. And so one of the people got up and he gave his presentation on power poses. And of course my first thought was, <laughs> It was really, and, you know, but we did, we started doing the, the Superman pose, um, the Wonder Woman, you know, hands on your hip, feet spread apart pose, you know, those type of things. And I see people now on Facebook and in particular saying right before I went on stage, I did my Wonder Woman power pose. And part of it is it's, it's, um, it opens up your breathing, you know, all these various physiological things, but there is that psychological thing of I'm Wonder Woman, I'm Superman, all those various things. So I love the, the you know, body language type of things. Yeah. And that, so that, that actual research in the scientific community has come under some scrutiny, um, as to whether it actually is true or not. There's a bit of a debate about, mm-hmm. about that, but, but, 
even if it's a placebo, in right. other words, even if you think, if you think that it's it working, right. then, it, then that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's actually fine, mm-hmm. right? That, that's a customization. So, um, yeah, no, it's it's a really it's a powerful thing. In in and what I should say about these about these tools, um, learning about avoiding avoidance and stepping outside your comfort zone, is is the reason why they're important. I think is, is what I want to underscore. Mm-hmm. Um, so so what they do is they nudge you to actually try something. And right. when we talked about avoiding avo- avoiding avoidance, that's why it's so important. It, it If there's door A, which is, you know what, I'm, I'm just not going to do this. Mm-hmm. And, do- and door B is, you know what, I'll, I'll give it a try. Mm-hmm. These nudge you to door B. And the reason why that's important, and this, by the way, is really important, the reason that it's important is because when you try something as opposed to avoid it, you can benefit from the power of self-discovery. Right. And what I kept finding, and I highlight this in the book too, is that when people were able to nudge themselves to try something outside their comfort zone by, by finding their source of conviction, by customizing, um, and, and a third, a third strategy I talk about is clarity, sort of like, Evening out your emotional reaction, you know, not catastrophizing, not thinking of the worst possible case, but instead trying to have more of a normal view of the pluses and minuses and so on. When you're able to do that, you can grow, you can, you can start to realize, and, and I kept hearing this, that number one, this probably isn't as hard as you thought it was. Mm-hmm. And number two, you're probably better at it than you thought you were, mm-hmm. right? But you'll never, ever benefit from that self-knowledge if you don't try it right. and so that's in and, and when you do try it by the way and when you do say huh this isn't as bad as i thought it was that'll probably encourage you to try it again and that creates more of a you could call it a virtuous spiral kind of a positive spiral mm-hmm. of trying and learning and growing and building that self-confidence muscle which is a very very different sort of spiral or world from the avoidance one which we talked about before that's mm-hmm. the other spiral where you avoid something get that temporary relief but then you know make it harder the next time around and that's a vicious spiral so mm-hmm. that's why this stuff's so important bottom line if you can nudge yourself to try something you'll learn something about yourself that you're probably better than you think you are and that'll 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 encourage you to try it again mm-hmm. you know and and one of the words that you've used several times that i really want to hone in on is that word nudge you know we're talking about small steps, baby steps. Um, you know, again, on Facebook, I saw this post from somebody the other day. She's, she's never been a public speaker. So, you know, you know, obviously probably she's done some little things, you know, given, you know, small presentations at work, you know, whatever, you know, some little things like that. But she has been asked to do a large presentation as in, in front of hundreds of people. And she said, I'm a little scared. And I'm thinking, Sweet cheeks, you're probably absolutely terrified and you just, you know, and so she's going from zero to, you know, this huge thing. And I think that's sometimes where we make the mistake, you know, as a, you know, again, let's, let's do networking as something, um, you know, instead of going to a big event where there's say 200 people, go to something where maybe there's 10 and, and, you know, and 
get get good at that and then step up. Don't try and, and make those big leaps. It's kind of like me and swimming. I, uh, I well, for one thing, I swim like a you know a rock. So you know, but people will say, well, just go jump off the diving board. It'll be okay. No, I know I will drown. I mean, and I'm just not going to do it. But if I you know kind of jump off into the baby end or, or things like that, then maybe someday I'll work my way up. But it really is about doing this at a level that you're comfortable with. There's no question. I, I, I'm really glad you brought that up because um, I don't know if you ever heard of the uh, I don't have this in the book, but this is just something that I often talk about is um, if you've heard of this uh, idea of doing like couch to 5K or couch to 10K. Have you mm-hmm. heard about this? Right. It's sort of like a like a, you know, someone who's basically not very active right. and wants to be able to learn to, to run mm-hmm. and, and, and to do a 5K, let's say. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I've never done that myself, but I can't I don't think that you literally get off the couch and run a 5K. And if you right. did, you'd probably break down, right? Yeah. <laughs> Your body would say no, not so right. Much. Exactly. So instead, what you do is maybe you take a walk around the neighborhood mm-hmm. and then the next time maybe you add in I don't know, a, a little jog between a couple of houses. Mm-hmm. And then you build up slowly, mm-hmm. you know, time after time after time. And it's exactly what you're talking about. Learning any like self-confidence and abilities like a muscle. Mm-hmm. You don't want to overwork the muscle too early, especially your self-confidence, because then you're going to strain it. Mm-hmm. You want to be able to build it over time with small wins and grow it and then stretch even more. Mm-hmm. And so it is absolutely key. There's a, there's some real thoughtfulness to this, that you mm-hmm. want to create a training regimen for yourself in a sense. And that's, mm-hmm. that, that's, that's that sort of like perspective on stepping outside your comfort zone that's really key and and it's also what distinguishes it from those internet memes we talked about where mm-hmm. you know the internet will say you know step outside your comfort zone do it now jump off that you know jump off that cliff and you know yes taking a leap's important but there's a lot of work and thought that that needs to go into it i think for most right. people yeah those those memes never show the in between part yeah yeah you know it's it's the goldfish jumping you know from from you know the little bowl into the great big huge bowl well, it, how did it really get there? I mean, you, you you don't just get there. There's you know, there are steps and processes that you have to take. No question. It's 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 sort of like the front stage and the backstage, like mm-hmm. of a theater. Right. You know, and it's interesting because, as I said, you know, we we all go through this. But one of the things that you talk about, and and in you do this more obviously because of your studies, is that cultures see this differently also you know and and i found that fascinating because i'm in atlanta we have a lot of different cultures that are here and and you know we have a lot of listeners that are in you know from from different cultures things like that and so what's comfortable for one culture is absolutely mortifying for another um you know you you use several examples of women in particular who were brought up in cultures where they are um, not supposed to, to really jump into the situation. They're, you know, the, I, I hate to say, you know, don't speak unless spoken to type of thing. But, you know, and, and that is kind of it. You know, that's, um, you know, I've, I've worked with girls from the Middle East who literally cannot go talk to a man they do not know. 
That's just forbidden. They have to be introduced by a male family member. You know, all these very, and so, you know, when we start talking about all these different cultures, that's where, to me, it gets really fascinating. Yes. So, so, in fact, this is how I got into the, into this whole field of organizational behavior and psychology mm-hmm. in the first place. So, when I was, um, 20, God, it's a long time ago, when I was in my <laughs> early, my early 20s, um, I lived in, in France. Mm. Um, and I worked for a French company mm-hmm. and I was fascinated by what was happening in the office, people adapting and adjusting behavior across cultures. I was doing business in French and then doing business in English. And I just became so fascinated in, in, in crossing cultures mm-hmm. that I came back to the U S and that's why I got inspired to do a PhD in organizational behavior and psychology. I wrote my dissertation, my PhD dissertation about, um, Russian professionals from the former Soviet Union learning to interview and network in the United States. Mm-hmm. Now, in Russia, when you interview, there actually weren't the kinds of interviews that we have now. Uh, Russia's changed, of course, but back right. in the mm-hmm. day, they 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 didn't have formal interviews. You're more assigned to jobs, mm-hmm. but 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 if they did, or if you were to have a discussion with a with a potential employer who's who's a superior, you would not make eye contact in the mm-hmm. way that we do. You would not give a firm handshake in the way that we do. Mm-hmm. You would not look, uh, you would not smile in the way that we do. You wouldn't make small talk. Small talk was not part of the script. And right. so as a result, when you get Russian professionals here trying to adapt and adjust their behavior, they start to experience these things through their own native cultural lens. Mm-hmm. And that feels, talk about inauthentic. Right. <laughs> right. You know, like I remember one Russian woman who I worked with, I'll never forget this. She said, you know, she's talking about the small talk part, like, you know, oh, how are you doing? How is the commute to the office? She said, in my country, if you act like this, you look like a fool. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she, so there's a, double burden for, mm-hmm. for people when they're adapting and adjusting behavior across cultures, that it might not only be against sort of the grain of your personality or your habit, but it also very well could be against the grain of of your cultural upbringing. Mm-hmm. And so that makes it really hard, especially hard to adapt behavior. And so that's actually the topic of my first book, which is global dexterity. Mm-hmm. Um, in that book, which I published with Harvard Business Review Press in 2013, was about exactly what we're talking about, about how to adapt and adjust their behavior, your behavior across cultures. Mm-hmm. My newest book, Reach, is sort of a sort of a takeoff from there. Right. And in fact, I wrote that book because so many people told me, hey, these ideas are just, you know, these ideas extend beyond culture. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's why I wrote Reach. Right. Well, and I, I'm going to have going to have to read Global Dexterity because that is one of those things that fascinates me. And of course, it goes the other way. You know, we also have in many cases, you know, we as in, you know, the pushy Americans, you know, we have our ways that, that we're used to doing work. And in many cultures, that's just horrible and awful. Um, you know, I've I've worked with people before on, you know, Telling them, you know, say you're going to be going to um, Asia, you know, a, a country in, in Asia, you know, again, how do you act? You know, the, the handshakes and and it is sometimes it's uncomfortable. Sometimes it's annoying, you know, and, and that's one of the other kind of pushy American things. It's like, well, I'm used to hugging everybody. Well, not everybody wants to be hugged. And in some other cultures, holy schmoly, that's really bad. And, you know, so you have to know these things. And more and more, we are dealing with people from other cultures, whether it's through business, whether it's through friends, you know, whatever it is. 
And some of it is even if we just know what they're used to and we can help put them at ease, you know, the hugging thing. You know, if, if it's some it is a good example, you know, if somebody really does not want to be hugged for whatever reason, cultural, you know, it's just not what they want to do, then don't hug them. You know, do something different. And 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 that you know, you want you don't want to drag them out of their their comfort zone just as you don't want to be dragged out of yours. Yeah, no, there's, there's, it, it, it's really interesting in terms of cultures. There's, there's certain differences that, that are, um, more ritualistic, like, mm-hmm. um, maybe hugging, maybe using chopsticks or not chopsticks, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe exchanging business cards. Like if you're an American in Japan, the way you would exchange business cards, you hold it with two hands, yes, you bow, and you bow read it it's, down. You respect you, it. Exactly. You read mm-hmm. it, you respect it. In fact, if you're gonna, if you're gonna offer a business card to someone in Japan, let's say, you actually have to make sure that the wording faces them mm-hmm. so that it's a sign of respect. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the United States, we know how we exchange business cards much more informally. Those are those are all I, I call those sort of, you know, I call those easy cases of cultural adaptation. The reason I say easy is because because you can kind of learn them pretty quickly mm-hmm. and they don't they don't sort of they usually don't sort of conflict with any sort of deep cultural values you have. But then there are many other situations that are that are that are even harder across cultures. These are the what I call the harder situations. So mm-hmm. these are things like like being assertive when you were taught in your country never to be assertive. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking up at a meeting with with let, let's say you're a young um, I don't know, Chinese born uh, consultant in the US get, getting a job at a place like Price Waterhouse, let's mm-hmm. say, and you're in a small room with a partner and a couple of slightly more senior consultants than you, and you're kind of talking about a client case. Mm-hmm. In China, you would traditionally not be expected to speak up because you're the most junior person. Right. You listen, you listen dutifully and mm-hmm. carefully, and you show respect. Mm-hmm. In the US, no. In the U.S., you're ex- of course you want to be respectful, but in the U.S., mm-hmm. you're expected to 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 add value, mm-hmm. right? To 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 participate, to question assumptions again mm-hmm. in a respectful way, but but it's so different, um, and so that would be a that would be a big cultural barrier. Um, there are many 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 others from saying no to disagreeing to um, making small talk. Many many countries, it's it's very unusual to make small talk mm-hmm. with someone that you don't know, especially someone who's more senior. To you. Mm-hmm. So imagine coming from a culture where it's not where the way that you would naturally and comfortably act is in your own culture is 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 pretty much the inverse mm-hmm. of how you have to act in a new culture. Mm-hmm. That's really hard. Right. right. You know, and and it is difficult because, you know, say women, you know, an American woman. We go to a meeting and, you know, in, and maybe we're used to in America speaking up and saying, you know, hey, you know, this, this is what I think. And in other cultures, there's several reasons why that is not acceptable. So then, of course, we, as in the American woman, get annoyed and, you know, because, well, that's the way we have to be and, you know, all of those various things. And so that's why it is so important to recognize these cultural things. And then, as you said, adapt around them. You know, how do you then, you know, are, are you, you know, how are you able to be successful? By making those changes to to adapt what you're doing, and some of it, as you know, I I love the examples you give in the book of changing your language, you know, and asking questions. That the one person in example in the book that you gave is she learned to sit next to the person who might actually 
ask her opinion, <laughs> you know, and, you know, all these various things. And, and again, it's, you know, instead of, uh, you know, just interrupting and blurting out something, maybe you raise your hand, uh, you know, you, you, all these other things, you know, maybe it's that you send memos later or you ask for private meetings or whatever it is, but there are definitely ways that you can change your behavior to, to, to match. Yes, and it's like you know the exactly, and in what what I love to tell people is that it you know in, in where in the town or city that you're in, or maybe in a city that you've that you've traveled to, you've probably been to a, a restaurant with fusion cuisine. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's like a you know an American Chinese restaurant or a mm-hmm. Japanese Mexican restaurant or some sort of fusion cuisine, mm-hmm. and you can do the same thing when you're crossing cultures. Mm-hmm. You can create a bit of a cultural fusion, mm-hmm. so you can adapt to the United States if you're from outside the United States, and you can create a fusion between your cultural background and what you need to do here. It doesn't mean giving up who you are or suppressing mm-hmm. who you are. It's finding a way to have your cake and eat it too, to use an American expression, to to maintain your integrity, but also also to be able to adapt and adjust across cultures. And so that's that's actually the title of my my book, Global Dexterity. It's how to adapt behavior across cultures without losing yourself in the process. Mm-hmm. And that's the key. Right. And that comes back to, to one of the challenges, and that's in being authentic. Um, you know, the, the second somebody isn't, you know, and, and <clears throat> part of it is the degree. I mean, if they're really, really outside their comfort zone, we can pick that up very quickly, you know, whether it's a personal or a, or a business type of, of setting. And then it just kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth. You're thinking, well, what the heck is wrong with this person or, you know, whatever it is. So it, to me, it, it it all comes down to being authentic to yourself and figuring out how best then to deal with that and, and work with that, that circumstance. Yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting. You, you need to, I think you need to balance authenticity with sort of appropriateness slash effectiveness, Mm -hmm. right? And so the key is to find the sweet spot between what's appropriate and effective in a given situation and what would be authentic to you, given your personality, your cultural background, and so on. It might mean stretching a bit, right? Mm -hmm. But it shouldn't mean ultimately giving up who you are. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, one of the things that also struck me as, as I was reading your book, and, and you have a section in here on myths and reality. And so one of the myths is I'm the only one who struggles with situations outside my comfort zone. And as we've said, everybody has situations like this. And so I was thinking about that. And I'm thinking, you know, here we are in, say, a, a, a big meeting, your department meeting, your meeting with a new client, whatever it is. I'm guessing that to some degree, Virtually everybody in that room has some little thing in there that they might be having to stretch out of their comfort zone to do or, you know, whatever it is, uh, you know, maybe it's the, the person who is the, you know, pitching to a client and they're not comfortable giving the price or, you know, telling people this is what it's going to cost. And then the funny thing is you might be dealing with the person who, you know, is they don't want to ask the price, you know, all these various or they or they don't want to ask for, you know, references or whatever it is, you know, so we all start having in, you know, obviously, we figure out how to get past these or nothing would get done anywhere. But my point is, we're all probably dealing with a little something or a major something. Every time. 
Yeah, it's it's funny. I I was I was giving a keynote speech at a company last year, and the company the 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 director of the company said to, he pulled me aside after the speech. He said, you know, this is really interesting. This is exactly why I wanted you to come here. He said he said, do you do you remember those old cartoons that you used to read in the newspaper? I mean, they still have them in the newspaper, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> and he said that there's there are two kinds of bubbles in these cartoons. There's a thought bubble. Mm-hmm. That a person might have over their head with like little tiny right, circles. Bloop, bloop, bloop. Yep, mm-hmm. exactly. And then there's a speaking bubble mm-hmm. w- that usually has like a little triangle leading up to like a larger um, maybe uh, s- circle or something that mm-hmm. says what they're saying. So this is what we're thinking and what we're saying. And he said, you know what? Around this building, and he was pointing to all the different offices, hundreds of people around this building. If you looked at the speaking bubbles. You would never see anyone talking about how scared they are, how vulnerable they are, how difficult stuff is. But if you somehow were able to see their thought bubbles, he said, it would be all over the place. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was a great image of exactly what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. So another one of your myths, and and I actually came across this last week and, and it just annoyed me to no end, is the myth that getting out of your comfort zone is just sucking it up. And of course, that's not true. And, and what happened was I was part of a, a conference call and, um, or, uh, and somebody said, you know, oh, they just need to get over it and grow up. And it's like, really? <laughs> you know? And, and it was, you know, what we were talking about was a situation that was actually very easy for me and obviously easy for, for this other person. But we were talking about somebody who was in an uncomfortable position and, you know, it's not about sucking it up, growing up. Um, one of the things that you talk about in your book is practice it. You know, like you, you mentioned, you know, practice, you know, giving a speech, practice giving a presentation, be prepared, do all those little things to get there. It takes time to really be successful when we get out of our comfort zone. And it's not about just getting used to it or, you know, growing up or all those other various things. Yeah, in some ways, the idea of sucking it up, and I hear that, I hear that pretty much mostly from men, I would have to say. Mm-hmm, <laughs> right. Just su- suck it up. Mm-hmm. Um, is, um, what it does is it, it, it underestimates the power you have to craft a situation to make it more palatable for yourself. So there's less to suck up. <laughs> in right. other words, mm-hmm. you know, like you can have, you can actually probably find a way so that, that it's less sucked or whatever it is, right? You, you <laughs> less know, sucky. And, and, oh, whatever. <laughs> right. There you go. Less sucky. And so, um, so, so, so that's, I think, w- what the case is. There's a lot more you can do, uh, to, 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 to try to, as we talked about, to try mm-hmm. to craft a situation so that it's more palatable for you and so that ultimately you don't have to just suck it up. That, mm-hmm. what sucking it up also sort of implies is, is, is like, you know, your, your feelings about, how inauthentic it feels and so on. Those don't matter. You just have to right. do it. And I just yeah. think that that's actually, that that's a false dichotomy. That's mm-hmm. not, that's not the case. You, you, you actually can be authentic and effective at the same time. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, when we, we do that also, we're, you know, when we're saying somebody just has to suck it up or, or, you know, get over it, get used to it. We're saying there's something wrong with them. And there's not. It's just who they are. Um, you know, as, as we've been talking about, can they work through it as opposed to get over it? Maybe, you know, or maybe they'll figure out a different way around it, you know, all these various things. 
But, it, you know, it, there's nothing wrong with them that they can't do that. And and I want to emphasize again, we all have times when we have to get out of our comfort zone. So be kind to the people when you recognize that they're struggling. Exactly. And also be kind to yourself, by the way. Right. Treat, your, treat yourself with the same empathy that you would treat a close friend mm-hmm. with. And I think, you know, that'll that'll get you far as well. Right. You know, I, I have a friend who networking is just, you know, we I keep mentioning networking. That just is one of those things that terrifies her. I mean, she just does not like it, especially if she has to give up and give her 30 second spiel, you know, all these various things. And I remember one time she told me, I don't know what's wrong with me. And I said, there's nothing wrong with you. This is just not what you're comfortable doing. So, you know, and she looked at me and she almost started to cry because she had put so much pressure on herself that, you know, it it made it it compounded the situation and made it even worse. Um, you know, and, and, you know, then it comes back to some of these cultural things. You know, as you said, that the men are often told, you know, more often, well, you need to suck it up and just go do it. You know, all, and, and so then if a, a, a man doesn't want to do, well, then, then, you know, well, I, you know, we see it all the give back your man card. Well, you know, it's like, no, it's really not that, that thing. You know, it's also, as you're talking, it, it reminds me also of a point that I make in the book that, that, you know, you don't have to step outside your comfort zone alone. Right. Um, you, you can know, have there, a wingman. Absolutely. <laughs> it could, it could be, it, it, you could also have a mentor. You can mm-hmm. also have mentoring. Like oftentimes with mentors, people think, oh my gosh, I have to have like some perfect mentor. No, you can, you can have mentoring from mm-hmm. a variety of places. But the point is, is that again, in terms of the resources that you have at your disposal, right? In terms of customizing, you also probably have resources for support, mm-hmm. you know, and you need to try to find, Try to leverage the resources that you have who will support you and mm-hmm. also try to avoid the ones who aren't so supportive. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and there's definitely truth to that. You know, I there are people that I just won't be around or I limit my exposure to them for whatever reason. You know, and 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 whether it's a coworker, a boss, you know, a, you know, a <clears throat> friend, <laughs> all these various things, if if they're not going to, to be supportive, then you know what? We just don't need that, that person in our lives. Now, sometimes you have to, you know, like, I mean, it might be your boss. It might be somebody that you have to work with, but limit it or, you know, sculpt it in a different way. You know, if, if they are the type of person that maybe if, if you meet them, you know, you, somewhere, they're immediately going to say, that's what you wore or you know, something like that. Well, then just make sure that you're not meeting them somewhere, you know, all these various things. I, I, I fully agree with that. I mean, it, it, you can just as you can craft a situation so that's a little bit easier for you to step outside your comfort zone. You can also you, you have more power than you think to to surround yourself with support. Mm-hmm. And so that's something to keep an eye out for. Right. You know, and, and sometimes it is working with your, you know, I, I laughingly call, you know, your wingman. You know, an example is I'm horrible with names, which I know then is a self-fulfilling prophecy that I'm not going to remember people's names. But my husband knows that when we're in a situation where I don't, you know, say say you and, and I and he, you know, we're, we're chatting and I'm drawing a blank on your name. So my husband knows if I don't almost immediately say, hi, Andy, this is Tom. He knows to say, 
hi, I'm Tom. <laughs> you know? Exactly. And, yeah. and, you know, and, and that's a little out of his comfort zone, but he knows that it helps me. So, you know, we're, we're, I'm his wingman. He, and, you know, and you do that in business too, where, you know, all these various things, you kind of help support each other. Yeah. That's a good one. I often, I'll have to remember that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, holy schmoly, you know, as, as I said, this is a subject that just fascinates me and, and we could go on forever, but alas, we are at the top of the time frame. So, Tell people, Andy, how they find and connect with you online. Yeah, I, I really enjoy uh, hearing from people and connecting with people. So please visit my webpage, which is um, uh, www.andymolinsky.com. My name's spelled A-N-D-Y-M-O-L-I-N-S-K-Y.com. I've got all sorts of resources there from articles to videos to self-assessments and so on. And also all my links to social media there too. So, Perfect. you know, connect with me on LinkedIn and, and Twitter and Facebook and so on. And, and, and of course, if you're interested, check out reach and global dexterity. And I'd love to hear what you think. Perfect. You know, and, and we talked a lot about the fact that you are a professor, but you also do speaking and, and one-on-one coaching and, and things like that. So, you know, even if we're not lucky enough to attend Brandeis, we can take advantage of working with you. You can. And in fact, I've, I, I, I do a lot of that. So, so, so please reach out and, and, and I'd love to connect on, on any front. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I am Deb Creer. I've been having an absolutely wonderful time talking with Dr. Andy Malinsky. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. You've been listening to C-Suite Radio. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.